0: So I uh, read a story this week uh, that after a couple, after a full day of shopping, uh, they returned to a parking lot. It must have been one of these huge parking lots, you know, trying to find your car. Uh, They looked for it, and they realized that their car had actually been stolen. Uh, So they went to the police station to make a report, and as sometimes those things do, it took a few hours, and uh, the detective actually drove them back to the parking lot to see if he can find any um, evidence at the scene of the crime, and to their amazement... The car had been returned. Uh, There was an envelope in the windshield with an apology and two tickets to a music concert. Uh, The note said, I apologize for taking your car, but my wife was having a baby, and I had to hotwire your ignition to rush her to the hospital. Please forgive the inconvenience, and here are two tickets for tonight's Garth Brooks concert. Now, obviously, the story is dated. Some of you might be more excited than others. Uh, their faith in humanity restored, the couple attended the concert and, rehe- and returned home very late. Upon arriving home, they find their house had been robbed. Valuables and electronics had been taken from throughout the house, from basement to attic, and there is a note on the door reading, I hope you enjoyed the concert. Cheer up, you still have your car. I have to put my kids through college somehow, don't I? Now, that's a pretty audacious thief. Uh, he went to a lot of trouble to steal from those people, and we all probably have examples of someone who uh, who has been stolen from, although likely not as complex as that situation. Now, in our society, there's a lot of terms we use for stealing. In the legal profession, uh, we have burglary, which technically means breaking an entry. Uh, larceny is the technical term for just theft. And you have petty larceny, a minimal amount of money, shoplifting, uh, grand larceny, which is uh, $500 to $1,000 or more, depending on what state or local statute. We all know of, uh, on the news, we see people with embezzlement uh, is- that have done that. Uh, there's also theft of intellectual property, which is kind of that gray area where maybe we download something and not pay for it, music or a movie or something like that. And, of course, there's a growing issue, uh, is identity theft. Uh, And maybe some of you have been victims of that here today. Uh, It is estimated that 19 people have their identity stolen every minute. Uh, One billion in personal records were leaked in 2014 alone. Uh, If someone gets your social security number, they can do everything. They can open a false bank account. They can get loans in your name. uh, They can file false tax returns. I have a friend that happened to twice, actually. Uh, And speaking of that, I actually um, became one of the many recently. Uh, A couple weeks ago, we got an email that uh, it looked like it was from my bank, but uh, I didn't really... um, I hadn't seen that email address before, so I was cautious, and so I called the bank Uh, And it just, it actually was a real email. It was from the bank's uh, fraud protection. And someone that day had actually used my credit card, my debit card in Kentucky. Now, uh, we used to live in Kentucky. uh, And I traveled back there in April. uh, And I remember using one particular sketchy gas station. Uh, now, some of you might think it's Kentucky, so all the gas stations are sketchy. Uh, but in rea- we lived in the Lexington area, and it is beautiful. I highly recommend uh, going down there. Uh, but um, I guess what it is that these, these crooks now, they have these scanners that can actually put on uh, the card reader on the gas pump. And they leave them on there for a while, and they actually bank up a bunch of numbers. And so it may be months later that they started going through their numbers, and they finally hit mine. Uh, I was lucky that my bank's fraud department is actually very uh, on top of things, and I lost no money, and I was just surprised that the bank, the woman actually told me, never pay at the pump, uh, always go inside, and I, if things are getting bad out there if we, uh, if we can't even pay at the pump. So, uh, you know, whatever it is that motivates people to steal, you know, we all know that it's wrong. Uh, even the most ancient societies had laws against stealing. Uh, For instance, the Code of Hammurabi. Maybe you've heard of Hammurabi, the the great Babylonian king. Uh, One of the the oldest law codes known, uh, dating back to 1700 B.C. This is 300 years older than the Ten Commandments in Exodus. Uh, Some uh, laws about stealing from the Code of Hammurabi. Uh, If anyone is committing a robbery and is caught, then he shall be put to death. If anyone steals the property of a temple or the court, he shall be put to death, and also the one who receives the stolen thing from him shall be put to death. If a fire breaks out in a house, and someone who comes to put out the fire casts his eye upon the property of the owner of the house and takes that property, he shall be thrown into that same fire." So you see the uh, understanding that theft was a big deal. it actually was a capital offense in most uh, ancient uh, cultures. Now, the Old Testament offers on the whole a more lenient system uh, than other ancient Near East counterparts parts and when it comes to theft, and perhaps you know um, Israel came out of slavery, they understood uh, the um, issues of poverty and why maybe people would be uh, brought to steal. Uh, And, you know, there's also this issue that the Old Testament as a whole puts a value on human life, even the life of the thief. And we'll see that here in a moment. Now, some argue that uh, the Eighth Commandment, uh, thou shalt not steal, actually uh, summarizes the other commandments, uh, at least in the bottom five. Murder is uh, stealing life. Adultery is stealing a spouse. Lying uh, is stealing a person's justice or honor. And coveting is actually this prerequisite to stealing. We're thinking about it uh, before we actually do it. Now, when Mark asked me to preach on the Eighth Commandment, I was like, you know, thanks. What do I do with that? Everyone knows, don't take something that's not yours. Now let's all go home and take a nap. Uh, Or eat lunch and then take a nap. We got to get a nap in there somewhere. Uh, But always, the more I submit myself to the study of Scripture, the more I realize how little I understand the meaning of God's Word. The command to not steal goes far beyond taking another person's stuff. This morning, I want to suggest that when the Lord says, thou shall not steal, the prohibition is not as much about objects as it is about the objectification of people. Now, let me repeat that again. The command don't steal is more about objectification than about objects. Less about how we view things and more about how we view people. Now, as many cultures have multiple words to define a concept, uh, each with a slightly different nuance, Hebrew, the language of the Old Testament, is no different. And there are a couple particular words uh, used for stealing or robbery. The one that's used in the Ten Commandments, uh, interestingly, does not refer to taking something by force, uh, but more of the sense of an act done in secrecy or cheating someone. Uh, there. This is opposed to a different word uh, in Hebrew that is often translated to "rob," uh, and which has that semantic feel of that taking something by force. That really struck me as I was preparing for this. You think about stealing as robbing, but actually the commandment is about something more in secret. Now, an example here we see the difference uh, in Leviticus chapter nineteen, uh, in verses eleven, uh, 10, 11 and twelve. Uh, there is a summary of the ten commandments, and it says, "You shall not steal." You shall not deal falsely, you shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by name my name falsely, and so profane the name of the Lord um, God. I am the Lord. So this context, steal, is tied to honesty. But then we have the word for Rob, just a couple of verses later. It says, "You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind but you shall fear your God I am the Lord. So the context here for robbery is tied to exploitation, oppression, taking advantage of those who are in a vulnerable position. So though something I want to point out is that both of these texts are in a section excuse me, are in a section that concludes with one of the most quoted passages in the New Testament. Jesus equates it with the greatest commandment. And we know this uh, verse just at the end of this section, Leviticus nineteen eighteen, You shall not take vengeance or bear grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So uh, Jesus connects, you know, the two commandments. Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. These two summarize the Ten Commandments, love of God, maybe one through four, Uh, love of neighbor, five through ten, honor your father and mother can go kind of either way in there. Uh, Like all of the commandments, stealing is not a crime against one individual, but it's a crime against the community. A threat against one member jeopardizes the stability of a society as a whole. Now, in the Old Testament, we have a number of laws, and maybe as you try to read through the Bible, you've got lost in all the legal material. Uh, But not just uh, the Ten Commandments, which kind of set up the base principles uh, for the laws in the Old Testament. We have sections that you can kind of call case law, examples uh, that might be applicable uh, for the larger prohibitions. One section uh, is in a part of Exodus that scholars kind of, we refer to as the Covenant Code, Uh, And it's a collection of what you might call expanded teachings on the core, you know, teachings, uh, principles of the covenant, that special relationship that God instituted with Israel. The so-called covenant code begins right after we read the Ten Commandments. Uh, In your Bible, it's Exodus 20, 22 through the end of chapter 23. Now, within this law code, a particular section deals with stealing Uh, Exodus 22, 1 through 15, and it's part of a general section about restitution, when someone loses something. Uh, And I don't have time to go through all these laws, and you're probably grateful for that, but uh, there are three points I want to summarize uh, from this section uh, about stealing. One, there are laws about theft in general. Two, there are laws about uh, liability. And three, there are laws about responsibility. And so all three of these things connect to that idea of stealing. So first, the law is about theft, and this is just a basic discussion about stealing. We see a situation. If someone steals another person's animal uh, and it was sold or killed, that person must pay pay four to five times the value of the animal depending on what it is. Uh, A cow was worth more than a sheep. Uh, So if someone breaks into your house at night... It is legal to defend your property to the point of killing the thief. But if it is daylight, you will bear guilt for killing that person. Again, I think the point here is that even the thief's life has value. And uh, What drives a person to steal? We asked that question. And I think in that case, maybe there's an opportunity for the thief to actually present a case there. So that second section is laws about liability. And we all probably have some kind of liability insurance in case something happens that wasn't exactly our fault. This, again, corresponds to other laws about restitution. And the thing is, our actions have consequences. Uh, If you allow your animal to graze over someone else's crops, you are responsible. Uh, If you start a fire... And it burns up someone else's crops, you are on the hook. So, the point here is that even accidental destruction of property is akin to stealing. Carelessness has effects on everyone around us, and we need to own it, even if it was unintentional. So, we have just laws about theft, these laws about liability, and laws, what I call laws about responsibility. You know, when someone entrusts us with something, we need to see the value in that thing. So laws talk about if someone asks you to keep something safe for them, whether it's money, an animal, uh, whatever it is, um, and that object gets stolen, the animal dies, or it is lost, the person in possession must come before God and prove his innocence. So it does if it's stolen in the house. Uh, or if it's stolen while the person, uh, either way, that person who had possession of the object is responsible uh, in some, uh, for that object. So I think the point here for us is that when someone places their trust in us, we need to protect that trust. Uh, we, if we don't value that object, you know, it's in essence stealing the trust from that person who has placed their trust in us. So I think the major point here is that we are to, there's a command to steal, is actually not to steal, is to respect each other uh, in our actions. Now, I want to move to a second section of the laws, Uh, and um, this is a section actually in Deuteronomy, uh, where you have other uh, developments, other uh, case law. Uh, The Ten Commandments are found in both Exodus 20 and in Deuteronomy 5, with some slight variations. Some scholars actually argue that the book of Deuteronomy, after chapter 5, is laid out, organized, based on the Ten Commandments, 1 through 10, collecting laws uh, that go with those commandments. And with that scheme, uh, we see stealing is found in somewhere around Deuteronomy 23, verse 19 through 24-7, uh, but there's some discussion of divorce that's kind of in there uh, as well. So now again, we don't have to go into all the details, but I want to draw out a few re- uh, relational categories that I see here. We've seen these legal categories. Now I want to kind of think relationally, of how stealing affects uh, us as individuals, how it affects the community. Uh, so uh, there's three or four uh, categories uh, up there on the screen. And things we see is relationships with the body, the community of believers, relationships with God relationships with your neighbor, and really the relationship with all of humanity. So all these relationships really uh, ha- stealing uh, in, this, um, in the sense we've talked about uh, has a, really an impact on all of our relationships. So the first uh, situation we see is the issue of charging interest uh, to a fellow Israelite. Uh, and it says you can charge interest to a foreigner, someone who's not an Israelite, but someone who is your brother or sister, you cannot charge them interest. Uh, It's that the land and their possession is part of the blessing of the promised land, and you cannot ask them to give uh, uh, above and beyond. Now, uh, there's no interest, like I said, to your kinsmen. You can loan other Israelites money, but you can't make them Uh, Pay uh, uh, extra. You can't, um, the principle I think we have here is don't, um, basically, uh, you can loan them money, but you can't make them uh, charge interest on it. They can't pay more than what um, you've actually loaned them. And I think a big principle here is one we all uh, understand is that we don't loan loan money to our relatives. Uh, You know, money causes divisions in family. Uh, And so, broken relationships. Come, out, come about often when people are taken advantage of. So I think here the law is like you don't take advantage of your brothers and sisters. Uh, and we am going to apply that here uh, in the church. We don't take advantage of our brothers and sisters uh, in Christ. Now, a second category, second relationship is stealing from God. If you make a vow to God, you must uphold that vow, the law says. Saying that you will give to God and not uh, following through is essentially stealing from God. Maybe an example we can think of is in Acts chapter 5, the story of Ananias and Sapphira. You remember what they did? They sold some property and they told the church, we're giving everything to the church. We're, we're paying off uh, the building loan. Uh, and they came and they held some back for themselves. And uh, it didn't go too well for them. Uh, they didn't really make it out of the room. So, um, so stealing uh, from a uh, family of God, stealing from God himself, and then also uh, another uh, relationship is stealing uh, your neighbor's livelihood. The law says you can eat your neighbor's grapes in the vineyard, but you can't take any home. Now, I assume that means you don't just camp out in the vineyard and eat all day. I think there's probably some regulation there. Now, you can pick some grains from your neighbor's wheat, With your hands, but not with a sickle. So you can only take home just enough uh, that you can eat maybe in that moment or something, but not go and harvest somebody else's crops. Uh, In Deuteronomy 24 6, uh, it says you cannot take the lower millstone for collateral on a loan. Now, this is the large stone that's the base of the mill that they would actually grind uh, on. The upper stone would be smaller and probably easier to replace. Uh, and maybe people would actually bring uh, those upper stones with them. But taking away that, uh, the large stone is actually taking a man's livelihood. You are essentially taking the person's business as collateral. Now, I think the point here is that sharing resources are an integral part of the kingdom of God, but there are limits. You know, everyone has the right, and, and I think Scripture also teaches the responsibility to self-sufficiency. We don't take advantage of your neighbor's generosity. We can share our gifts, but we don't take advantage of each other uh, in that. Now, a fourth relationship uh, is probably one of the largest, and it's the relationship with humanity. And this goes back to this key thing that there is a sanctity of life, is at the core of uh, the Old Testament, is the core of our Scripture. And the, the law here is about kidnapping. Kidnapping. Now, um, I'm not always comfortable about it, but there are numerous laws in the Old Testament uh, about accepted uh, ways of acquiring slaves. Uh, It's a big part of the economic fabric of ancient society, Uh, but that said, the Old Testament limits the ways master can treat slaves. Justice is extended to both master and slave, and a slave was a human being who deserved to be treated as such. However, kidnapping was prohibited across the board. You are literally stealing someone's life. The law says here, if a man is found stealing one of his brothers of the people of Israel and he treats him as a slave or sells him, then that thief shall die. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. Now note in this case, contrary to what we've seen, there is no option for redemption of the thief. This is a capital offense. You know, note the phrase there: "Purge the evil from your midst." This is a serious, serious crime. And I think here again, the overarching picture in Scripture is that there is a that human life is uh, is valuable. All human life is valuable. As we're saying this morning, people are not objects. So going through all of those laws uh, and pointing out all the regulations, let me kind of bring it here and summarize a few points. Uh, I want to draw this together uh, and, you know, both looking at the laws in Exodus and also those laws, relational laws in Deuteronomy. Uh, To start out, I want to return to that um, beginning statement that I made, that the prohibition, thou shall not steal is not much about objects, it is about the objectification of people. Stealing is less about how we view things and more about how we view people. Now, maybe you might have heard this story. I'm not sure it's true. It could be an urban legend. But the story when Mr. Rogers, uh, we all know Mr. Rogers, his car was stolen one day. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this, but Mr. Rogers, he filed a police report, uh, and the story was in all the media outlets, in the newspaper, on TV news and everything, all around town. And as the story goes, when the thief realized whose car it was, he returned the car within 48 hours, and the car was parked in the same space where it was stolen, and it had a note of apology on the dashboard saying, if we'd known it was yours, we never would have taken it. No one wants to steal from Mr. Rogers, but far too many will steal from a Mr. Nobody. If we think of people as just objects, we, you know, might as well take their stuff. So I want to wrap up here. The uh, Three points uh, summarize uh, the leave with this morning. And now before we go home and take a nap, uh, I want you to talk to somebody else about these things. You can do it over lunch, but you have to do it before your nap. Uh, so first thing, going back to that kidnapping, uh, is uh, stealing life and the sanctity of life. Uh, human trafficking is a major issue uh, in uh, the world and uh, in our culture today. And, um, you know, people are seen as a commodity that we buy and sell. This is a topic that deserves a whole sermon to it, at least, and I don't claim to be an expert, uh, and I need to spend more time in prayer uh, about the issue, but uh, it's, it's something I felt that we really had to talk about in this issue of stealing. Uh, although it's often in the shadows, modern-day slavery is very real. Desperate people from all over the world, men, women, and children, are made promises uh, of a better life, and they find themselves tricked into a life of slavery. Now, this is not just the sex industry. Work conditions, uh, sometimes people find themselves just in work conditions that are essentially slavery, where they can't leave the site, they, can't, uh, they, have, they don't even get the money that they work for. Uh, I have some stats, and I don't think I have these on the screen, but it's come from the book uh, In Our Backyard, A Christian Perspective on Human Trafficking in the United States by Nita Bells. Uh, Stats are there are 27 million slaves in the world today. Human trafficking is the second largest and fastest growing criminal enterprise in the world. About 80% of all U.S. trafficked individuals are female, and about 50% are children, in addition to the 100,000 youngsters trafficked annually, 244,000 to 325,000 somewhere in there, uh, American children are at risk for sexual exploitation and sex trafficking every year. Uh, we've heard uh, the story in the news just recently down in San Antonio. The truck driver—he had his, his truck was full of people. He didn't even know it. And when they went in, some had actually died in there. It's a terrible issue that I think as Christians we need to be praying about. We need to be thinking about a lot more. And again, uh, Scripture teaches us the sanctity of human life. Life is not something that you buy and steal. People are not objects. Moving something to maybe a little closer to home to us uh, in our own lives is that going back to this idea that stealing is in secret is the idea of deception, now, there's a particular way of uh, using the word to steal, we said, in, that, in, our, in the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20:15. Uh, that's that deception. Now, maybe we've all heard the phrase, stealing someone's heart. Oh, you know, he stole my heart. Well, they actually use that in the Bible. Uh, and an example of that is in Genesis 31, in the story of Jacob and Laban. If you know the story, um, Jacob, he goes uh, off uh, to uh, his uncle Laban's house and he sees the, the wife that he wants and he has to work. He gets the other one then he works for the, other, uh, the one he wanted. Uh, well, before he left, uh, he kind of tricks uh, Laban. On chapter 31 of Genesis, starting in verse 19 and 20, it said, Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel, his daughter, stole her father's household gods. Now, that's the same word we're using, looking at today. She took them in secret. And Jacob tricked Laban, the Aramean, by not telling him that he intended to flee. That word tricked is the phrase stealing his heart. He deceived him. So deception is a form of Stealing. Now, I don't know if I've ever you know, thought of it in that way. But again, I think it goes back to this idea of stealing someone's trust. You know, are we, are we, this person is trusting us, but we are, uh, we're not really following through with the, with the relationship. So another thing I want to look at, we see in the human trafficking and deception, is this idea of theft in secret, uh, that core, that meaning of that word in, uh, in the Ten Commandments. So what do you do, uh, what do you think, uh, what would you do Uh, if you thought no one was looking. Now, I'm not talking about chewing your toenails or something like that. You know, I'm talking about something more sinister. You know, seriously, you know, what would you try to get away with if no one could find out? You know, maybe taking home a few office supplies, maybe not paying for the cable that was still hooked up in your apartment or house when you came in. Uh, watching illegal bootleg movies, downloading, you know, music that you didn't pay for, maybe at work, you just cook the books just a little bit to get by, fudging your taxes. You know, nobody's going to find out about these things. Now, these are all things done in secret. They're all s- forms of stealing. And I think we need to check our consciousness. You know, why do people steal? You know, maybe we think we deserve these things, and, you know, we're not hurting anyone. But I think, again, the point here is that stealing is ultimately about viewing a person or maybe a business or government agency as an object of our pleasure. It's about us. It's about fulfilling our pleasures, doing what we want. And as Christians, we are called to respect others. We are called to live honestly in all aspects of our life. So to bring down uh, to the conclusion here, um, this morning, my goal was to make us rethink what constitutes stealing. It goes beyond taking something that does not belong to you. At the heart of the commandment, we are asked to examine how we treat others, those who are affected by our choices, those who trust us, those who aren't looking, uh, and um, those who aren't looking at how we view our relationship, even with God. Stealing is about uh, living honestly in all aspects in our life, Uh, honesty in all relationships. Do we respect others? Do we honor the trust people place in us? Do we honor the commitments that we make to Christ and His church? Do we think of others as simply a means to an end, another rung on the ladder, uh, up the ladder to success, however it is we define success? Now, when Jesus taught on the Ten Commandments, He always looked beyond the rule. In our Sunday school class, we're looking through the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. We see a lot of examples of this. He looks beyond the rule and into the heart of the person. Killing begins in anger. Adultery begins in lust. I suggest that stealing comes from the objectification of those around us viewing others as objects and not as people created in the image of God. Now, there's a number of places in the New Testament uh, that the Ten Commandments show up. And I just want to leave us here with the mention of Paul uh, talking about in Romans 13. And Paul says that love is the fulfillment of the law and the mark of a true Christian. In Romans 13, uh, 8 to 10, he says, Owe no one anything except to love each other. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision of the flesh. We are told that Jesus will come like a thief in the night. Let us be vigilant and cling to Christ now so that we will not be taken off guard. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for your word, for the teachings of the scriptures. And I thank you for providing us children with roadmaps and guardrails. Keep us along the path of wisdom. Help us view others as you view us in all our flaws and brokenness. Help us love as you love As it is written, this is real love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Let this be in our hearts, in our minds, and on our lips as we leave this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.